Getting the early numbers could be the key to success when betting on the NFL. That's why we're here to react to the pinnacle openers and analyse where the market might move. Welcome to the opening line. Hello and welcome to another episode of the opening line. We're now looking ahead to week 14 of the NFL season and with me again are our two NFL betting experts, Eric Eager and Andy Molitor. Andy, I'm going to I'm going to start with you this week. Got to be one of the weirdest weeks in in NFL history, I think. How was it for you from a from a betting perspective? Good. I had the I had a loser in the uh, Steelers, but I didn't lose any bets on Sunday. Everything came through, some nice late sweats. Uh, I had a total where the number absolutely mattered, where the, the total got middled, so my early over and the late under would have both won. So that's it's always nice to actually be rewarded for betting early and getting a good number and seeing the line move your way. So pretty fun, and yeah, Buffalo second half last night, like I said. Ending with a ending with a bit of a win, or, or again, I, I keep saying like Monday night's the end of the week. It's not. We still have a game tonight for somehow. And Eric, what about yourself? I know you uh, you had a good weekend in some respects. How was the the NFL betting side of things? Yeah, I mean, we had a, a pretty big um, position on uh, Buffalo uh, minus two and a half, which wasn't even a good number at the end of the day. Uh, and then it was also um, the Los Angeles Rams were another one where. You know, short road favorite. I thought that they were getting, um, you know, short shrifted with the number there. Uh, they ended up pulling through. Um, it would have been nice to get Houston. I had some Houston, um, and it looked like they were uh, they were game there. And I also had weirdly I had some Chicago. So there were two games there where I where I lost, where I, where I thought I had you know a W. I had Chicago the latest number. Obviously, if you had Detroit early in the week, that does, did seem to be the sharp side, but that got bet all the way down to like a kind of a flat three, and then. Um, I thought Chicago, you know, Mitch Trubisky played his customary game against Detroit, but it just wasn't enough. So, um, yeah, it was a good week. Um, I'm looking forward to tonight's game. There's, I think, um, you know, some player props that have some value tonight. All right, then we'll, we'll move on to the, the week's action. Thursday night football, we've got the, the Patriots at the Rams. New England coming off. I mean, it was a, a big win, but a pretty fluky one. 45 to nothing against the Chargers. Um, they're also staying in LA, which you kind of don't know how much you want to read into that in terms of their practice and stuff this week. Um, not much has changed since this one opened. The Rams are a six-point favourites. It's 44.5 points on the total. It has dropped slightly, that actually, from 45.5. From and even split on a handicap. I, there's enough there, I guess, for both teams or people to, to think that both teams can get the cover. Are people aware of how fluky that New England win was? Are we seeing too much being bought into that? What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I like I like New England plus six. In fact, on Sunday night when we did our podcast, it was plus six at like minus 102 on a different book. And now, you know, we're seeing the price at least a little bit come up towards uh, the the New England side here, and I, I support that. I mean, I think New England, as far as like the coach, I think they have a, an advantage in coaching. I don't think they had, have an advantage in talent, but I don't think the Rams are are a supremely talented team either. Um, with the way Jared Goff is, and you know, on offensive line, they're I think a little weak. On defense, they have two you know superstars, and and basically, um, you know, not a whole lot uh, in addition to that. Um, so I, I like New England here, especially. Uh, given what you just said, which is that they're not traveling, um, you know, in, in, a, in a season where home field advantage was already not that big, if anything, um, I think they mitigate some of it here. And how about you, Andy? 
Yeah, agreed. And I, I wish I would have grabbed a 45 earlier. Like I was talking to some people early and it just, the more and more and more I look at this, I'm looking towards an under. Just, uh, I do think we scheme well against, uh, uh, what do you got with it? It is a stars and scrub defense, but I, I think we can still scheme against what New England's trying to do, which is obviously the 45 nothing was completely false. You know, there were some just you look at that box score, it's a lot of defense special teams, and the fact that the Chargers just charge it right off the bat. So I'm, I'm fine looking at under here. Not only that, with uh, when you do see success from the Rams, it's when McFay's against a coach he can out scheme. I don't think that's the case here. Um, there's a few cases throughout the league where he's just not going to be able to put a scheme together to get that offense truck in. So I'd, I'd probably lean towards, you know, this being a very close game to Eric's point, taking the points, or if I can find a 45, there's a rogue 45 on this. I'll probably take an under. Do you think we're, I mentioned at the top of the show about kind of the weird week we just had. Are we getting to that point in the season where you're, you're not feeling as, as confident in, in some of the angles. I mean, that one for the Patriots, maybe that one's a bit clear. Some of the other games, it's, it's looking a bit murky. What's the what's the kind of feeling as we get to the tail end of the regular season? Power numbers mean less, don't you think? <laughs> like, it's the, the price discovery's there. You've got to be looking ahead to angles, I feel like. My, I'm on market with so much stuff, it's hard. Well, I, I think that this is weird. I think your edges are smaller, but you're probably your – um, the the threshold probably is is has to be bigger earlier in the week for you to actually bet something, right? Because uh, as Andy said, the information that we're all prevy to, like you know, I think we all have decent sources, but like there's gonna just gonna be stuff that pops up that's unforeseen, right? It, you know, um, and and so it, it's sort of this weird thing where, as Andy said, your power number is basically already all baked into the. You're not your power number is not going to be a whole lot different than what the market is, or unless you're wrong. Um, and, and it's sort of how you can adjust on the fly. And, you know, a lot of that is just information based. So I, I'm less like, oh, look, my model kind of likes New England. I'm going to hammer it. Yeah, I, I, that's not how I feel. You know, I, it's, it's going to be more on the, you know, here's, here's a couple cord, you know, correlated things that are happening. Uh, and I'm going to bet into it. I'll, I'll allow what, you know, Andy just described with the Ravens tonight. Oh, then we'll I mean, I'm more apt to go against my numbers here in situations if it's close. Like I, I did, my numbers would have liked Arizona as a tiny edge against the Rams, and uh, I mean, there's there's just spots where I'm gonna have to go against that. Well, let's uh, let's let's move on to the next game. We've got the Green Bay Packers, the Detroit Lions. Green Bay, uh, they opened up at minus eight and a half on this. They've already dropped down to minus seven and a half. Still a way to go go through that key number, so it's it's probably just going to bounce around kind of where it's been and where it's at at the moment. Turtles up at fifty five and a half. Some early action on the over. Now it's gone back the other way, and and most of the money's actually on the under at the moment. I mean, it looks like a, a big handicap on on Green Bay, a bit away from the the seven as well. Is I don't know. Have they been that good? Have the lines been that bad? What do you make of this one, Andy? Yeah, it's going to come down to some health issues for the Lions. I was actually surprised they put up that many points. I wasn't involved in that game, thank God, because I, I kind of agree with Eric. I don't think the right team won. I'm not sure uh, if the results was indicative of how that game should have gone. Goofy, you know, just a goofy week every week for the Lions, especially with some of the injuries they sustained on offense and what they've had to go through with that secondary. This is not a great spot for them. Again, it, it's – it's at home. And did this did this game get 
flexed out to the afternoon? Was it originally an early game? Is that why the rotation number screwy? I believe so. I, th- I do think it was the Sunday night game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. They did move that one out. So, yeah, thank God we're not watching Detroit on Sunday night, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, it, if all things are the same and home field is gone, like, I'm excited to get Aaron Rodgers indoors, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, you can say, oh, Aaron Rodgers is on the road. No, Aaron Rodgers is inside and out of that bad weather. Like, I'm I'm more excited that this game's in Detroit if I'm looking to back him than in, in Green Bay. So, I slightly lean towards Green Bay. I just can't get behind Detroit unless these injuries tighten up. And the, the under is probably the look, but good luck getting me to bet that. Even at it is 55 and a half at a few places, which is maybe getting towards the top of the market there. I probably won't be involved in this one. Yeah. I mean, when I look at this game, where, where are we? I kind—I of, mean, I think if anything, at the over, it might be the play just because indoors, Detroit's defense is terrible. Like I know Patricia was the problem, but they're part of his problem was he chose the wrong players too, and and they're not that good. And and you know, I think with Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, out to prove something, there's certainly like a, a tit for tat with Lafleur in the sense that Lafleur is getting to run the football team the way that he wants to, but. He's also giving Aaron Rodgers a bone in the sense that you're going to put up these huge numbers and and try to become an MVP again, and like that's kind of that that that's conducive, I think, to some scoring. The other thing is the Packers' defense sucks. Like they're not very good. They're they're soft against the run. Um, they don't rush the passer nearly as well as they did a season ago. And if Kenny Galladay plays, I think that makes about as big of a difference to any offense. Like you know, I think Adams is a better player. Diggs is a better player. You know. But Galladay's had the biggest effect on an offense than any number one wide receiver in the NFL. So if he can play, I think that that, you know, really is, uh, you know, some support for the over. Rodgers also, when you look at this season, Rodgers is is getting a negatively graded play on just like 0.8. You know, he hasn't a negatively graded play in our system in two weeks. Um, and he he's at 8.5 in terms of uh, negatively graded plays. Like when you – like we talk about Wentz and his irreducible awfulness, like, uh, you know, there's almost infinite potential with the team when your quarterback doesn't make inaccurate throws. Uh, the other thing is Stafford is leading the NFL right now in yards per pass attempt when pressured. So there is something to the, to Daryl Bevel actually being a, you know, sneaky good offensive coordinator. So I think the over is the only play I couldn't, I couldn't support an under in this game. And it's almost like a war number where it's a little different. You want to, suss out like the you know the Galladay splits you know there's been stuff with that with Deshaun as well where you have these like just amazing splits when their one receiver is out and it it is wild it's weird that it's still fuller for them and not like an actual like not their number one guy from last year Hopkins but do you um I think we've talked before about when the totals get this high and the fact that like things have kind of got to go well pretty early on to to get there is there when it's working out like that and the over looks like the obvious play, is there any part of you that, that gets involved in the live stuff, Eric, and, and maybe looks to, to take a position if things aren't going to plan? Well, it's actually the opposite. So, like, last night I liked the over quite a bit in the game, and when they got two drives where both teams drove the length of the field and didn't score a touchdown, I was all over live over because, you know, the fundamentals are there. Like, neither team I, – I don't think Buffalo punted until the very end of the game. I think San Francisco – you know, is relatively good at moving the football as well. 
And so that's what I'll I'll generally t- only take a live under if I see weather situation that's really bad or a quarterback injured. But there there is a situation where like let's say this game get let's say that you have you know have some pre pre flop on over fifty five or over fifty five and a half, and the Detroit Lions drive down and miss a field goal, right? And they look they look like they can move the football, and it's just you know variance happens or or. Um, you know, Green Bay gets a drop pass on a third down, which is likely with Marquez Valdez Scantling on that team. But like they're moving the football and they're getting open. Like that's really where you want to bet live. And generally speaking, I think the live overs are probably the hit because the game is just so conducive to scoring now. Um, you know, and and variance almost always moves in the direction of scoring, as we saw last night with the fumble by the Buffalo Bills on the road end right after right after they got a stop. Like that, that fumble was, you know, very touchdown inducing on the side of uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I used to bet more live unders. I'm kind of in the same page as you there. It's it's tougher and tougher. I think the only spot I've really looked at it is when I've had a pre-flop over and it just starts so incredibly well that it's like, all right, this shouldn't be like 73. You know, I, I can I can shoot for like a 20-point middle here and I think it will slow down if you get some fluky scoring. But a lot of it is – it's been – Nine out of ten times, if I'm taking a live position, it's a favorite who's winning already, or an over that's starting well and it's just trending that way. Like, and even last last night, I guess it wasn't trending because I did get a number that was below the pregame. But like, it's funny how many people independently bet that that live over. Like, I had it, uh, Drew had it, a couple people. I had like a forty six. I, mean, I had a forty four and a half at one point. It was yeah. un- unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's the way to go, I think. And and college football is a similar. I mean, in fact, college football with the clock stopping every first down, it's you almost never get what you got last night, which is two teams taking a whole quarter. I mean, the fact of the matter, I had a decent position on over nine and a half first quarter points because both teams, if you look at their expected points on the first 15 plays, they're in the upper right hand corner run pass. They're great. And, and, and you, you lost it. And not only the funniest thing is you lost that bet, but you, it went over like two, two minutes into the second quarter. It still would have, you know, his quarter was two more minutes longer, all the bad crap that happened to that over. And you still almost would have, you almost had it really. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get on to our next game. We've got the the Tennessee Titans and the Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars. It's I think it's it's similar markets. It's seven and a half uh, favorite on the road. Um, this time it's the Titans. The the total for this one is fifty two and a half. After a brief spell at fifty three and a half. As I said, all looks very similar. That the Jags are, are really really poor. I think news is what they got Glennon over over Minshew at the moment. I'd, I'd be interested to know if there's there's any adjustment for that or if that actually matters. But again, it's the same question. I guess this time to to you, Andy. Seven and a half points. It feels like a lot for Tennessee. Do you, do you think they're worth it? The, it's going to be interesting here. I think we get the it's just Groundhog Day with their practices. Like Wednesday, Dory Jackson spotted at practice. Friday, Dory Jackson will not playing yet. Like they're just so beat up. They lost a linebacker what two, three weeks ago. They they already had kind of a tough coverage unit that it's just not getting healthier. In fact, has lost more players. Like this defense is not good right now. The offense can still click. I don't understand. I, I'm not sure if I really want to get involved in this total or, or this side rather. But I don't understand this total ticking down. Because it's kind of proven that Glennon may be an upgrade. Like he's kind of meshing nice, especially with some of the backup receivers. And uh, I'm I'm not sure if I can 
I can back Tennessee getting you know beat up by this defense either. I'm it is if it's going down, I guess it's going down for a reason. And I'm gonna dig into this game, but uh, my power numbers are again pretty much on market with this, even with the downgrade to Tennessee and probably a little bit of an upgrade to Jacksonville. I'd have to look uh, kind of looking at it over here. Andy, I'm with you. I mean, I think this this game um in week two i think the total it, it was probably the easiest bet i've made all year the total was 44 and a half um and and that thing sailed over relatively easily um in a game where you know there were actually some turnovers and some bad performance by the tennessee titans um i think in this one you know glennon is good for the over in many ways right because he, he throw he's you know he's not afraid to go downfield he's not afraid to turn the ball over and i think turnovers will result in touchdowns uh, you know, for Tennessee here, I think the only thing that keeps Tennessee from, you know, being an over team is themselves. Like they really like to run the football and, you know, against Cleveland, they got behind and that was the perfect recipe. If you bet the over in that game, because, you know, when they throw the football, they're pretty good. And, and Cleve, both Cleveland and Tennessee's defenses are bad. And, um, you know, without Clowney, like there's not going to be much of a pass rush. And you look at some of the success Glennon had against Minnesota, you take away the turnovers, like they had success in the ball downfield. Well, why? Well, the Vikings don't have any pass rush and the Titans are very similar in that way. And, you know, so I think that's possibly you know, worse. Yeah. Well, I, I think worse. It's yeah. Close. I mean, Simmons is probably their best player and, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to win that way. And, and so I think Glennon will have some success. You know, the fact is they turned the ball over in bad spots against Minnesota, you know, and, and still took that game into overtime. I think that they'll have similar, you know, especially with the familiarity, I think that they'll have similar success. And then Tennessee is Tennessee. Like I said, the only thing that limits Tennessee's offense on a week to week basis is themselves. Um, so they could easily put up 35 here and do their part. So Glennon might be good for the over Eric, but, but is he the right pick for, for Jacksonville? Is there much difference between him and Minshew? Do you think? Uh, no, <laughs> you know, at this point, they're like Glennon. The, the, people have revisionist history on Glennon because of how dumb the Bears are. But like Glennon was, Glennon unseated Josh Freeman, who was a, a first round pick, played pretty well as a rookie, played pretty well as a second year player. T Tampa sort of uh, hit the panic button and signed Josh McCown to play ahead of him because Lovey Smith had familiarity with him. But Glennon came in and played well that year too. And but they were so bad that they got the Jameis Winston pick. Right. And then he goes to Chicago, but Chicago again, like hit the panic button and drafted Trubisky. I don't think Glennon did a whole lot wrong for them. And he sat for basically the last bunch of years. I think, I think he's like a fine backup quarterback in the league. In fact, like he's probably better than most. All right, then. Well, let's uh, let's get on to the Houston Texans at the the Chicago Bears, and it's one of those ones that could be anywhere between sort of three and a pick on on Houston. I think at the moment. Um, it, not much in the market so far. Minus two, minus one and a half. It's, it's bounced around everywhere, I think. It, it could be back to the two soon, I think. Um, not much on the total, 44. Um, I guess this one is is whether Deshaun can can do it against a, a pretty be decent Bears defense. I mean, there's going to be people siding with the Bears, but it's difficult. The offense just isn't clicking. I, I don't really know if that's what. Is that play calling? Is it is it the talent that they've got? lost six straight up on the spin that they crumbled against the lions either you two want the bears in this one or or, or is it a stay away or, or do the texans appeal 
You want to take the Bears again, Eric? No. <laughs> Riding that train? Not this week. I, it was the right side last week, I feel. Like no, they, I mean, you're right. You should have won. They didn't that. turn the ball over in their own end, up three. They probably would have won. And I think the problem is is exactly that, is that they're a too mistake-prone on offense. And um, I think their defense is good enough to certainly yeah, give Watson more of a problem than uh, you know some other teams. But, but Watson is just so damn good. It's really hard. I mean – for one, there are a few angles here. Like the home field advantage isn't meaningful anymore, really, especially for a bad team like Chicago. Um, Watson, 31% of Watson's dropbacks are positively graded by us. 6% are big-time plays. Like he's making chunk plays on 6% of his passes. Mitch Trubisky is sort of in this like 4% range, which is Mitch Trubisky is making a turnover-worthy play on 6% of his passes, which is the, the most in the league. That's more than Carson Wentz. So while Houston's defense is bad, Houston's defense is just another defense when it comes to Chicago. And so uh, I, I like Houston here. I, I think laying the points with them, laying the point or whatever it is with them it is probably the right play. Yeah, that offense has looked good, especially think back to the Jackson or Jacksonville Thanksgiving. I don't know why Jacksonville and Thanksgiving were going to go together but the thanksgiving game especially how he looked in the second half and yeah his splits are rough and we've had some inconsistency at the health of the wide receiver but the bears defense is good but it can be beaten by a good quarterback with a half decent scheme and a couple of weapons and just the fact that the coaching is so bad for chicago right now the the play calling so bad i don't know if you need to have a terrible amount of success on every drive because I think you'll get a lot of drives. You'll get a lot of drives that start in decent field position, even with your defense, just based on how bad the play sequencing and the play calling is for Chicago right now. And again, Mitch Mitch is probably good for a turnover or two. So it'd be probably Houston or nothing, even you know, even on the road laying a point. And you can find if you shop around, you can you can find this at minus one. I mean, Ben's right. It's been kind of all over the board right now. It's probably the one game in the last month of the year where the Houston will have a decided advantage in coaching. Right. I think we've finally got a, a home favorite next. We've got the Vikings at the, the Buccaneers, uh, six and a half Tampa pinnacle. Um, that could be making its way to the seven. I think looking at what we've seen so far, um, so it was pretty balanced 51 and a half after opening at 52 and a half. Andy, the the Vikings a good second half to the season. Have they have they got a challenge to Bay? Do you think this is just keep riding Vikings second half over? It's just like the, <laughs> it's the e- it's the easiest bet on the board every week. Yeah. It's, and it's it's been hilarious. It's like the first drive of each of the last two weeks has been just Kirk Cousins or whoever. I, I can't remember who had the first fumble against. Uh, it was, yeah, it was Kirk first Panthers. and then Dalvin. They tried to get back yeah, after running the ball. and he It was fumble, fumble. Uh, for and Jeremy, that's amazing. <laughs> like You may never see that again where uh, uh, two plays in a row, the same defensive player scores a touchdown. That was wild. You know, th- those things help. But even without those, like those games were trending over. I double dipped on it a couple weeks ago. It was easy last week as well. And then just – the fact that the fact that this is such a bad matchup everywhere, I don't understand why some people are running to back Minnesota. I get to, I get taking the points, but just when when Tampa has struggled here, at any, any point in the season, it's when Brady's been under pressure. Going back to what we said about Tennessee, like this is a bottom five. It's a bottom five pass rush. If you can't get pass pressure on Tom Brady. He's going to pick you apart. And again, to exactly what Eric said earlier, 
The Minnesota secondary is, again, very bad, probably bottom five. And, I mean, just start naming Pro Bowl receivers on that. And not only that, but a couple good tight ends. And uh, if it doesn't matter if Brady's immobile. It doesn't matter if he's slower and he's less talented than he was. If he's not pressured, he's still very smart. You have a very smart coach. And if the offensive line is holding off the pressure, like – Tampa Bay is going to do what they want on offense. And on the, you know, on the other side, they can get some pass pressure and Kirk, I don't know what your splits are. I guess I'll kind of ask you, that'll be my, my segue to you. What do you think of Kirk's splits under pressure? Well, Kirk, I think he's done well under pressure, but that's not really something you should back, right? Like I, I tweeted this out the other day where, um, you know, Mayfield was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL when under pressure, um, and what did they do against Tennessee? Well, he was only pressured four times, or, and he only threw up in three of those, and they were all throwaways. And, you know, they kept him clean the whole time, um, whereas, you know, uh, uh, Justin Herbert had better passing numbers when under pressure. Um, but, you know, obviously, like a lot of what happens when you're under pressure is like either your scheme or, you know, sort of how the defense got pressure. Um, so... I, let me look here. I'm, I stalled there. But, yeah, I mean, Kirk actually is a lot worse under pressure this year. He was 9.4 yards per pass attempt when clean, which is obviously great. 6.7 when under pressure. He's, only, he's thrown twice as many interceptions, though, from a clean pocket than he's done from a pressured pocket. Um, some of that is volume. Some of that is, uh, you know, uh, him just, you know, being not very good. But, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay's defense, like, again, you want to fade narratives about defense in the NFL. And, you know, after Green Bay – they were the 2002 Bucks all over again, and then after they faced the New Kansas, Orleans, yeah, after they faced Kansas City, Ryan Clark on uh, ESPN said they're a joke. Well, what is it? I they're the same defense. They have the same players. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting has not been good. Devin White's not been good, but their outside corners are fine, and they'll do provide enough resistance. I mean, Minnesota. We have to we have to talk about this with Minnesota. They just had a three game homestand against teams with a combined record of eight and 28 and they outscored them by one point um and they went two and one like good for them that's what you're well they should have went three and oh but that's what you're supposed to do tampa bay is a as a drastic step up um in class for them and I, I think what andy said is perfect i mean the matchup isn't good brady is very good um when he can set his feet and i don't think that the vikings are going to be the team that gets him off of his point this week so i i I don't know if I can lay the six and a half, but I don't. I can't support Minnesota here. I think that this is going to be a classic Minnesota meltdown. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping for Minnesota to score first, maybe a little fluky or something. Yeah, I'd love. I'd love Tampa from behind. As we talked about live betting, you know, uh, the other game we touched on, you know, some of these games where it could be conducive to an over with some live betting. You know, if Minnesota does get ahead like anything under 55 just to hammer that i suppose yeah i the, this is an interesting one um for sure i i was i was with you andy the other day the funniest thing i was at the office with uh austin gale and he and while kirk was throwing the pick six he goes what do you have the second half i go vikings minus seven i have faith and then he threw like the the, the screen that was that cook didn't even see and it was run back for a touchdown i, I do think the live spot, the live spot was Minnesota at the half last week against Jacksonville. The live spot this week um, is going to be Tampa Bay if they ever get behind, because I just think with their receiving core, the number of solid weapons they have, Tampa Bay just leans on Minnesota and their their young secondary and their lack of passers. Kendricks 
looks like he's not going to play. I mean, he he hurt his calf in the pregame warm yeah, I don't, I don't think he's in. Down two linebackers against Gronk and against Cameron Braid and against uh, you know the the receivers in the middle, Godwin uh, and Antonio Brown that they have. I think that that you know it's just going to be a tough one for Minnesota. Unfortunately, now that they're uh, in the thick of the playoff race. Right. Well, let's uh, let's get on to the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to uh, traveling to the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins getting seven and a half points here. Uh, might as well be a flat seven, I think. Looking at the odds. Um, Early betters have taken the the over, bumped it from forty eight and a half to forty nine and a half. I think most people will have the the Chiefs down as the best team in the league. Maybe not with the dealers, Andy. I know you're fond of them, um, but they, they've had a couple of tough games of late. It seems like they're not they're kind of getting the job done. They're not really blowing teams out. And it's when you get to this kind of number, you're in that dangerous territory again. It's it's do they do enough to cover? Do they just play for the win? What do you reckon, Eric? Yeah, I mean, you. I think you. You almost said Kansas shitty Chiefs, which has been how they were against the spread <laughs> That's what I heard. over the last four weeks <laughs> or four, you know, five weeks, four games. I, I, I. The hard part is the Chiefs' defense is just. I think that they'll be good eventually because they're the same components that were good last year. But right now, they're ter- like Frank Clark has one pressure or less in five games this year, including last week. Um, the Chiefs can't get pressure on the quarterback, which I think would be the one way to neutralize Tua in this game. Um, and on the outside, they're just they don't have the pedigree. And and there are some things about the Miami Dolphins offense that are pretty like Devontae Parker's good, Gasicki's good, Jakeem Grant, if he's healthy, is good. Um, and so you know, it's tough to lay that many points. I say this every week, it's tough to take the points against Kansas City because they're so explosive, but Right now, it's really hard to lay it with them because they don't look all that interested in blowing teams out. They look interested in getting the one seed. That's basically it. Uh, they don't look interested in lining the pockets of the people that back them. Yeah, a lot of field goals last week. That wasn't any fun. And, I mean, you kind of hit the head there. And I talked. I was talking with Drew and Suma about this game earlier, and it was, you know, that I like the matchup versus, of, with Kansas City versus them if they do it right, but I don't know that they can. And it's just, you know, Miami, not good versus the run, but will Kansas City be determined to run the ball with what they have? And then the question turned to, is Hilaire, Hilaire any good? And I said, man, does it matter? Like running backs are a product of scheme and opportunity. So if they do decide to run the ball, like they should have great success. And obviously it doesn't matter if you're facing the best pass defense in the league. Like he's he's just gonna do sideways arm passes and crazy stuff and fit it into weird spots to Kelsey. Like it'll be successful. I just I was a little little disappointed. I, I know a lot of people probably were if they backed him in their their red zone efficiency. And sometimes I just wonder about it too. Like, is this are they using the good plays? Like this is always the joke because they do kind of play down at Call times. The good plays. Yeah, and, and this is a spot where. I don't know if they can play down. It's not, maybe it's just kind of been imprinted on our heads that Miami is not a good team, but this, this year, Miami isn't a bad team, you know, and I think the biggest issue will be they're probably not going to be able to pressure Tua with what they're throwing out there right now. So this, this game might be close. And I really, I think from obvious, from a game script, the total again, is probably a little too low. Miami will be able to score. Uh, I'd be more interested in taking uh, over 49, Miami team total over than taking the points because I do think this total dis does get blasted away. If if Miami has any degree of success, like Kansas City will be forced to use the good plays. 
and they're going to, you know, they're not going to drop a game here with the gift that they were just given by the football team with a chance. You know, they're still, they're the two seed right now because that was a loss out of conference for Pittsburgh. So it doesn't affect really any of the tiebreakers. They're still the one seed. So just getting it done week after week, especially against another AFC team is important. If this game gets squirrely, Kansas City is going to have to just revert back to, all right, we're going to have to just bend this team over and go down the field on them hard and score with Kelsey in the red zone again. So I hopefully, like my whole over is predicated on Miami being successful. So I guess in a roundabout way, we we agree it's it's Miami is a lot of points here. Yeah, a lot of the, yeah. You bring up a great point about the Chiefs in the red zone. They're just not their tight end isn't like a big guy fade tight end. It's not a Kyle Rudolph. It's a it's a really athletic wide receiver who's big, you know? And so they don't really have a big guy in the red zone to go to. And they struggled there for a long time. Um, and, you know, when you think about how they won in the Super Bowl in the red zone, they won by doing the the good plays. They ran, they ran that 1940s play. They ran the option. They, they do, they're not willing to do that in a game against Denver, right? <laughs> they're, they're just going to try to run straight up. And that's why we've seen them struggle. They move the football really well in almost every of those games, but they can't convert. Um, obviously, what you said about Kansas City with the running backs not mattering is what Miami does uh, to a T with all of those non-drafted Pac-12, um, Salman, Ahmed, and Miles Gaskin players in that backfield. Like they, 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 they believe that to a T, and I think that that's you know why I think the Dolphins and the Bills will be you know battling it out for the AFCs for the next ten years probably. Yeah, a lot of the it was interesting to see that a lot of that early talk was kind of centered around the the Chiefs and obviously the Miami with Tua. Eric, I seem to always go to you when we're we're looking at rookie quarterbacks. I mean, he's had he's had a couple of pretty bad games or, or pretty bad halves, should I say specifically? And is that kind of a worry for you? How do you think he's actually adapting to the league and, and can he be as good as sort of the hype has made out him to be? Well, I think you know the last week or so he he hasn't turned the ball over, which I think is always a, a good thing. Um, when I look at his statistics, so yeah, I mean he's one, you know he's you know fourteen and a half percent of his passes are negatively graded, but only two percent are are, are are turnover worthy. Um, I, they're limiting him. Uh, his A dot isn't that bad though; it's like it's like eight yards. So I think I don't know. I he could be a little bit more accurate. He could certainly be a little bit more assertive. But um, you know, he's he's early on, and when you look at you know, he's not all that much. He actually has a higher percentage of positively graded plays than Justin Herbert does this year, which is interesting uh, given how much success Herbert has had. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's like a. Uh, fade the court, you know, fade him just because he's a rookie type player. The way that let's say Jalen Hurts is going to be this week, especially not in this matchup where they're just not going to pressure him. Right, like it's, a lot of that's matchup dependent. There's going to be definite two of fades. Right, what have we uh, what have we got next? We got the Indianapolis Colts at the the Las Vegas Raiders, another road favorite. Uh, the Colts opened at minus three here. They, they dropped down to minus two and a half since. Um, it looks like the overs appealed to better since the start. We've, we've seen that one kind of balance out since, hovering around sort of 50 and a half, 51 and a half. I mean, it it seems obvious why why people would push push Indy off the three here. I'm sure people can can make a case for the Colts and, and Rivers here, but I'm having trouble seeing it. I don't know if either of you guys think that, that, that that's the play that, that makes sense. 
Uh, man, it's one of their biggest strengths is becoming a weakness now with the injuries in the offensive line. And it, it goes back to the, you know, the same thing we talked about with Brady. This is an older quarterback who is not going to be successful. He's put under pressure. Well, you know, the Raiders are finally getting some some production from some of the pieces they've brought in the last couple of years on the defensive line. Like, I could see that being a problem if you get Rivers uh, constantly under pressure. You're going to have bad Rivers. Bad Rivers doesn't win games. So I, I guess I, grabbing the three makes sense. I don't have a lot of convictions in this one. I've had trouble with Las Vegas in general. They've uh, you know laid some eggs on me. They've given up big, big yardage on the on the defense a couple times where I thought they'd play up a little bit, but I, I tend to agree with the, the buy point off the three. I, I didn't grab it, but if you made me bet this game, I'd probably just bet Vegas money line at whatever you can get there. Yeah, I kind of disagree. I think I like Indianapolis for um, – I, I just – the Raiders' defense is just not good enough to stop an offense that can hum. And, like – and when you think about Rivers, Rivers indoors is, I think, a non-trivial add to him. He's also, like – he's fallen off in recent weeks, but he's still playing pretty well. And, like, only 2% of his passes are turnover-worthy. Um, only 12% are negatively graded. So he's not – he's not like YOLOing this thing. Like I think he, he does like when he's playing for a chargers team, that's terrible. Like he, he's, he falls off the rails, but he's playing when he's playing for a team that, that is a contender. I think he does tighten it up a little bit. And, and, you know, you know, Cleo Farrell had a great game against Makai back then. He's almost always been bad though. And so I don't see him having nearly as good of a game here. Um, the Raiders, like if they would have lost the game, think about how, the, the way in which their losses had trended, you know, the best team in the league, Kansas City lost to them, a middle of the pack team, Atlanta lost to them, and the worst team in the NFL, they almost lost to them. I, I, I wonder if they have necessarily the goods here to sort of be a contender. Um, and this game will go a long way to, towards sort of like figuring that out. All right, then we're on to uh, onto the New York Jets, the Seattle Seahawks. When I said about the the weird games, obviously the Seahawks were one of the teams involved in one of those biggest surprises going down 17-12. I think it was the Giants and, and Colt McCoy at quarterback. Um, I'm not really sure how it happened, but it did. Um, they're now going into a, to week 14 and what is a tight NFC West looking at it. The Jets, as you just said, Eric, they nearly pulled off a, a big upset as well, came close to getting their first win of the season. It's on Seattle, 13 and a half points here. Pressure on them to bounce back, but it's a big, big number, even against a team as bad as the Jets. Is there is there anything that makes you want to take this one, Andy? Or is it is it a stay away? Is there is there another angle into it? What are you thinking? Pete Carroll had a, co- a quote yesterday about Chris Carson and he said, this is the week he's going to cut him loose, which seems like such a bad idea. Just just a horrible idea against a team that probably will actually be able to stop that. Like playing in, out of everything, that's like maybe their one strength. They can stop the run a little bit. And just the, the fact that they've gone from where they were five games into where they're at now is amazing from a standpoint of the coaching. Obviously, I'm not – saying oh they're just gonna go down straight up lose to the Jets at home but it would it would maybe not surprise me if they just you know fumbled their way through another game and somehow missed the playoffs at the end of it here. Um I'm not is this what did you say the line was? I'm not seeing this up anywhere right now. I had it as 13 and a half on our 
back end and we've got yeah i think we're still live uh live on site at 13 and a half yeah i'm not interested in laying that many points i guess with anyone but if you want me to bet the jets i guess rufus isn't here i'll bet the jets it's just like a homage (laughs) it's probably too many like if if i ran this numbers quick i'm sure it would say to bet the jets I I think I think the way to bet the Jets possibly would be to bet the over in this game, um, forty seven. Like the Jets have played pretty good offense when they've had their three wide receivers in. Uh, it's not like there's anything really to like uh, about the Seattle defense. Um, in fact, you're probably getting a decent discount here because Seattle's defense has quote played well against some really bad offenses of late. Um, and and I think that you know it. I think 47 is probably a little bit too low for a Russell Wilson game, even if uh, it involves a um, uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, just the, the Carson the... quote scared me a little off that, but I, it's one of it's probably a wait and see game for me. Like, watch it, see how the see how the Seattle offense is actually sequencing and how they're playing, and if you know if it is Darnold that. I guess I don't I don't make a big difference between the two quarterbacks now, but I would tend to agree and probably be looking for a live over here. Right. Well, next up is the, is it the yeah, it's Falcons against the LA Chargers. Another one that's that's hovering sort of under the three. Uh, I think it was initially minus minus one and a half on the Falcons, now minus two and a half, trending in that direction that it's gonna take a lot to get to that three, though. Um the, the total hasn't moved off 49 and a half. Neither of these two have got much to play for pretty much a nothing game now that doesn't mean that there isn't a, a betting angle to be had but the question is i guess is there one uh eric well other than being a young way coup revenge game i feel like there really isn't much to this um no i these teams are the same right they both run the same cover three you know uh, uh bradley defense um you know falcons you know i think are a little bit i I, I understand why they're favored, but I don't think I don't think you could take the favorite in this game. So I, I'm probably going to back. Um, I, I would. I don't know. I, I I'd probably do Chargers or nothing here. Yeah, my numbers bang on with the the current number. I'm pretty much in line. Uh, obviously, Atlanta two weeks ago was the right side, but that box score, final score, was a little deceiving just based on constant. It was like the twelve days of Christmas from the the Raiders just yeah. constantly giving like oh here's another turnover here here's some the, good field position for the you Falcons did what the Falcons do too which is settle for field goal after field goal after field goal they they just they only won because they got so many opportunities yeah. and really the, the result from last week was probably less than surprising just based off Taysom Hill playing better than we thought he would uh, I mean that I guess kind of a nice surprise for New Orleans if Breeze decides to just go to NBC at the end of the year. I, I guess you can you can just go with him going forward and continue to work on him because he's played better than I thought he would. It, obviously, it's it's he's a tough guy to scheme against because of all the things he can do, and I, I think maybe we were hard on him because when you, they brought him in before, it was like oh, Taysom Hill's in. Oh, he's going to run the ball because he's taking the snap. Like it was very predictable, and it, it's a lot harder when he's actually taking all the snaps. So I guess Atlanta losing last week wasn't surprising. And yeah, I'm, I'm again bang on with the number. Probably looking at a, a live a live shot here. It looks like the totals ticked up again. But man, I feel like I feel like people have taken that over or in for a sad result if it starts to turn into a bunch of twenty six yard field goals again. 
That that's the very annoying part about backing a potent offense because of the the decision making and some of the play sequencing in the red zone from Atlanta. You uh you teed it up perfectly to move on to the Saints, Andy, because that's that's who I got next. Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles, and the questions there of the quarterback. I think both of them have got question marks, suggestions that the breeze can come back for the Saints, obviously. And you mentioned Hurts earlier, Eric, for the Eagles. I don't know whether that's confirmed or not. We we might see sort of some major movement later in the week once we do get those confirmations. But for the time being, anyway, it's it's minus seven and a half from the Saints and a, and a 45 point total. Again, it's one of the it's listed as minus seven and a half. It might as well be a set, I think. But any interest in those numbers? Is it another one where you sort of have to wait for the news and see what's going on with the quarterbacks? How much difference does it make? What are you thinking, Andy? Yeah, talk about a lot of uncertainty at quarterback because, man, I know my, my dad broke some ribs when he was younger. He was a mess for like a month. I couldn't even breathe right for the first couple of weeks. I don't know how, and he was he was in his 20s. You know, this is this is an old man who broke way more ribs. I don't understand how he's thinking about like kudos for being a gritty tough guy. But if if he thinks he's going to come back, I guess there's there's probably better weeks to do it. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe Philly. You're not so worried about Philly, but traveling to Philly, if they getting hit, just sounds awful right now from him. So I, I guess it's sounding like that's going to happen. And then obviously earlier today we found out that Hertz is the move, which yeah. I mean, where they sit, whether, you know, regardless where they sit as far as winning the division, making the playoffs, like it had to be done at some points. Wentz is just, he's lost out there right now. I don't have a good adjustment for this game. I haven't seen enough of Hertz. Hertz was kind of a bad passer in college. Like he was, you know, he was, he, he, like, he, it was, no, but it was scheme based. Like he, yeah. if you try to put him in, if you try to put him in a pro NFL scheme, like, I don't think you're seeing exactly what you're seeing. And not only that, he played behind some, a good line. You see that a lot in college. It's hard. I'm terrible at evaluating college quarterbacks. I'm awful because it's like, well, this guy was good and this guy was good and they had the same situation as this guy who's horrible. And it, it, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And it's something we don't see behind the scenes, whether it's, you know, someone being lazy like Jamarcus Russell or someone really, really getting after it. Like, I, I don't know. I think Josh Allen's just putting in the time to become a better quarterback. So yeah. it's super hard for me to to evaluate these guys. Like I like Hertz, but I do worry about him in the normal kind of scheme that we're going to see him in. It'll be interesting to see. I hope he does well because otherwise the Eagles are really in a bad spot going forward. They're already kind of in cap hell. Yeah, they're they're below the, the they're above the salary cap already uh, going into the season. Even even one that's generous at a one ninety five valuation. I'm long-term bullish on Hertz. I'm short-term bearish on him. Here's the reason. I got into an argument with my co-host on, on the PFF forecast with this. We've seen it over – like, Andy, Tavares Jackson looked good off the bench a few times, and then they started him, and a team gets a week to prepare for him, and he's ass, right? Like, yeah. it's the, – the Saints have the best secondary in the NFL probably, maybe other than Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Like, they're a really good – And, and, and really a pass good. rush that is starting to improve. Yes. Trey Hendrickson, uh, Marcus Davenport, obviously Cam Jordan's a man out there. Like, and so, like, I think people are going to overreact to this. And they're going to say, look, Hurts breathed life into that offense at the end of the Green Bay game. Um, and okay, let and I think you have to lay it with the Saints as a result because it's just not going to be pretty out there early on. I when I did a lot of the analysis on on Hurts, he looked 
pretty good. He looked like the fourth best quarterback in the draft, maybe even third best. I, I actually like him more than I like Jordan Love. The issue is I think it's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some development. He had a lot of the characteristics that like Deshaun Watson had as far as he's a winner, he's gritty, he runs tough, but a little bit slow in the processing, a little bit a kind of a weaker arm. Um, but those things can be overcome as, as Watson showed. I just don't think it's this week against the Saints. No, it's a, it's a bad matchup for him. And even if he is better than we hope, it's still a bad matchup. Uh, you know, the, the marriage that is a good pass rush and a good secondary is just a nightmare for a team who's had injuries on the offensive line, injuries in the receiving core, and a new starting quarterback. I know some people got some minus six and a half off the open. Kudos. That's probably the that's probably a pretty good play. Even laying that many points on the road isn't always that fun, but the the difference between these two teams right now is fairly big. I think you have to have the Saints in every teaser. <laughs> if, it's a, if it closes at seven and a half, it's going to be in a lot of teasers on me for Sunday. What, um, just on, on Drew Brees, then, what is the kind of logic to, to throw him in? Andy, you said, like, he, he could be in big trouble. He wants to play, obviously, but, like, what is it? Get some minutes under the belt towards the end of the season? I mean, Hill can Hill can probably do a job for them there. Is, that, is it too much of a risk? What, what do you think with that, Eric? Yeah, well, if you bet the Saints at minus seven, who would you rather see playing come Sunday if they surprise you? Uh... I would say I, I I would say I I would want Breeze to start, but there's the question he's he's healthy enough, and I don't think I mean I would still bet it with Taysom, right? Um, yeah, I, I think it's close. I would lean Breeze if he's if he's actually okay to go, but it's it's closer than I would have thought it would have been three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean they did a thing last year where Bridgewater started five games and then they started Breeze in the game right before the bye, and I wonder. What the, I wondered what the point of that was. They were facing Arizona at the time, and I, I still wonder. I think I think you save them for the Chiefs game. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. you know the Chiefs are sort of like an easy defense in that they're not a big pressure defense. Their coverage is kind of soft, and that would be the game at home that I think you want to do. Like, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles stink, but they still have Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. You know, that can kind of wreak havoc on any offensive line. Right, let's uh, let's move it on. Washington football team at the the San Francisco 49ers next on the board. Washington football team, the the NFC East powerhouse, uh, coming off the the big win against your boys, Andy, the the Steelers. Um, San Francisco, I mean, look, they've they've struggled, bad injuries, but obviously played a, a massive part for them. It's it's kind of a bit of a write off and. Some people kind of buy into that narrative. I don't know if it's it's going to have too much impact on the numbers here, but they're they're currently three and a half point favourites. They're obviously on a they're on a neutral field as well. They're they're still playing in Arizona. Um, totals posted at forty three and a half. It it looked like it's or it does look like it's going to stay there as well, unless there's some some big bets coming in. Do the do the good times continue for Washington, Eric? Do you think can they can they cause an upset or or are they worth the points or nothing at all here? Yeah, I think you have to take him with the points. I mean, Alex Smith, uh, I was tweeting about him earlier. Uh, Smith is sort of one, 5.31 ADOT, which is like would make Drew Brees blush. Um, you know, they're really, you know, only nine and a half percent of his passes are negatively graded, but only 12 are positively graded, which is the worst in the league by like 6%. So they're really like, you know, early in the season, you know, you wanted to back Washington, but Dwayne Haskins was 
23% of his passes were negatively graded. He just didn't give you a chance. He was a uh, poor man's Carson Wentz back then. But now you have Alex Smith, who I think can make plays. And you have some support on that side. And then I think most importantly, you have a defense that is pretty good. And and they put pressure on the quarterback and they, they cover okay on the back end. And, you know, San Francisco, for all of their scheming and all that kind of stuff, like they their receivers don't beat you in traditional means. So I – I, I like Washington here plus the points, and I probably would take them on the money line as well. What about you, Andy? Yeah, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I just do worry about the offense doing anything. You know, it, it's it's not all that similar to what we saw. Like, a big part of what happens, like, Verrett's kind of trash at, at points, and Richard Sherman's passed it. And it's tough when you're facing, you know, a, a quarterback who's really accurate all of a sudden he's kind of gotten through that, that mid season hump where it's like, all right, the first few weeks were kind of a mirage. This is the Josh Allen. We knew he looked good. Beasley looked good. Like they had multiple weapons. That's where I worry about a Washington offense. They don't have like those multiple weapons. Like who's your second, you know, Gibson. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Really good yesterday. McKissick is going to get like, if you want to take away Terry, then you just be like, whatever, give, Give McKissick 40 targets. I don't care. Like, we're going to be able to kind of slow this offense down and let our offense do what we need. I, I agree it's probably too many points, but this is a game I'm just – like, I'm not excited to back anybody in this one. But we we saw yesterday that, you know, Pittsburgh – so Gibson goes out in the first quarter. Yep. And and Pittsburgh held McLaurin to, I think, two catches. And what we saw was Logan Thomas was making plays. And – um, you know, I think San Francisco is a little better at linebacker than the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, but that's not trivial. And then Sims, like he made some plays down the field, including on the, the drive to go ahead and win the football game. Um, it, it is a, I think I agree with you, Andy. It is a legitimate question after McLaurin, can those players step up? But we have evidence now that against a really good defense in Pittsburgh on the road, the answer is yes. And, and Alex Smith was able to hit them. I mean, some of those plays were big plays. Some of them were after the catch, obviously which is what Smith needs to be successful given how uh, little he wants to throw the ball downfield. But I, I, I agree with you that the secondary for the, for the 49ers represents a huge downgrade from what the, what the football team just faced. And, and as such, I do think that they'll be okay offensively. To be fair at a certain, after the injury, I mean, Pittsburgh had their two starting corners out. Yeah, that's true. You're right. I mean, it it wasn't the whole game, but later in the game, it's like, I, I felt bad about like having a bet at that point. I said with the, you know, the, the scratch before the game and then the entry during the game, technically you were missing your two top corners, which if you're missing yeah, your two true. top corners, that kind of makes you the same as San Francisco. Everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and Pittsburgh too is losing Dupree and, and Bush for two big losses. And, you're right. And so, yeah, you're right. Uh, so, but at the same time, the good on Washington for, playing left-handed and still winning. They're, in that yeah, game. they're figuring it out. They're making they're yeah. making best with they're making do with what they have. Yeah. Right, well let's uh let's get on to the last one on slate. We're we're making good time. It could be bang on the hour. Um this one was a real interesting one in terms of the market, I think. It, it had a bit of a flip. Steelers were consensus favorites across the market. Pinball opened late and, and put it at a pick. Um it's now moved to a minus one and a half in the bills, close to a, a two Two and a half, it's always going to be when it's when it's below the three any. But betters like the under here, 47 um, on this one. Again, it's it's one of those ones. It's, it's easy to see why. Andy, I keep mentioning you and the Liz, that they let you down last week. Are they going to recover from the hangover this weekend? Are they going to 
bounce back with a big performance too many injuries going on yeah it might it might start to be that point where there might be too many injuries in the you've lost three linebackers now one more of a you know edge rushing type but you're losing multiple position players on the defense you lost two core uh, well we'll have to see the health of the corners i think that's going to be a big part of this because it's proven like this is a good offense with multiple weapons if, if beasley beasley just turned into like god mode Wes welker all of a sudden if, if that's going to happen, like this is going to be a tough out in the playoffs, even with a, a little bit of a struggle on the defense. Although we kind of compared the what we compared uh, Kansas City, what they did last year to what they're doing this year, where the defense starts to come together at the beginning of the end of the year. And again, this this defense, they got Milano back. It, it could start to resemble a little bit more of a shadow of what we saw in 2019 where this was a very good top five defense and it's been a bit of a weakness this season if this defense gets it together the bills are pretty dangerous and like uh it would be it would be bills or under for me i think pittsburgh getting it together still has a lot better defense than what we saw in san francisco even with the injuries that will be able to limit this team and just the way pittsburgh does play with their you know, they're slow, low A dot, dink and dunk stuff. Uh, Buffalo should be able to shut one guy down, which is tough because they have so many receivers there in Pittsburgh, um, which made me question some of the play calling last week when we were deciding to go deep to the third string running back on a fourth down. <laughs> but yeah, but Buffalo, I, maybe not now that they're a favorite, but I, I would lean Buffalo and probably not not be excited to bet anything in this game. Pittsburgh is too fragile on offense, right? They 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 have to cross the street a hundred times to get the end zone. And when your team can't catch the football, that's impossible, right? That you know that that kills drives. Now drops are noise, so you can, you know, maybe fade their poor play on offense the last two weeks um, as a result. But you're getting, um, you know, it, what in in my opinion is a dollar store Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, uh, Allen's top end play rivals Mahomes. His bottom end play is dark, and that's the thing. So the question is, is how much can Pittsburgh force Allen to play poorly? Um, because if he plays well, there aren't that many teams, including Kansas City, that can run away from a game on them. I, I think on defense it's similar. Like they're they're not a mistake, they're not a mistake-ridden defense. They don't give up big plays. They give up a lot of successful plays, which might play into you know, they might sucker Pittsburgh into playing the way they played the last few weeks, which is to to get content throwing five-yard passes up and down the field. Well, eventually you drop one of them, and it's fourth and three, and Tomlin, unlike the Buffalo Bills coach, Sean McDermott, will punt. And, uh, Buffalo, per, you know, basic strategy is basically perfect. Offense is very explosive, and the defense is coming around. It seems like, you know, minus one is still a, a really good bet. Minus one and a half. All right, then, well, that yeah, is... Uh... Tough. That is our, our games for, for week 14. Great chatting to you as always, Eric and Andy. Thanks a lot for, for coming on and joining me. Thanks yeah, for having thanks, me on. Ben. And thank you to all our listeners as well. All of the odds that we've discussed are available on pinnacle.com. Enjoy the action. As always, please gamble responsibly.